Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, we'll be sharing an inspiring message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Really, again, just always a privilege and an honor to be here to preach the Word. I love Friday nights because while the world is partying, we're in here, right? Getting real. This is the, this is the, the, the best time of the, the week, I believe, Fridays and Man, I have, I have uh, something to say to you tonight, I think. And thanks to Whitney, she was, she was blowing up my phone. Where are you at? She's so sweet, right? And, uh, and, and so I have kids, and, um, and we're, we're, you know, um, she's asking me, would you send your notes? Would you send scriptures and stuff? And so I didn't send anything. So guess what? You get to use your Bible. <laughs> And I know that you have a smart device if you don't have a physical Bible, so you're going to do it. I know you're so used to looking on the screens. Everybody's so good about giving you their notes. But let's get back to the original. Let's go, let's go back to the start where you actually have a Bible, right? Because most of the time now we don't even know where the books of the Bible are. We're like, where is it? You know. So, um, man... How's this fast going? You've been in it three days? Three days. I just started today, so you guys, have, you're way more spiritual. And you're doing the Daniel fast. Okay, who's doing it? Just, okay, so how's it going, truthfully? Tell the truth, shame the devil. It's going good. Okay. Why is it good? Because um, I'm, I'm getting to hear God more. Yeah? Yeah. Wow, what do you what are you asking for right now in this fast? What do you want to see? This fast, um, the same thing like to get back to the start to know really why I'm coming to church, why I do what I do, to really ha- like have that passion again to follow God for real. Yes. Come on, that's so good. That's, how about how about my friend Ezekiel? Why, why are you fasting? You are fasting, right? Yeah. Or are you slowing it down? <laughs> uh, yes, I am fasting. What are you fasting for? Uh, to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. To be closer to God and to the Holy Spirit. Uh, not think about food, but mostly, or think about Jesus Christ and what he has for me and my goals. Okay. Excellent. You know what? It's so important that you guys are going to take this time to fast, that you're specific, that you have, maybe some of you need to write it down. You've probably been asked to or encouraged to write down what you're, uh, what you're praying for. But make this fast count. You know, it's so important when you start a year that you're giving it to God, right? That's what it represents. Fasting is a physical act of obedience that releases something in the spirit over your life. It's like worship. Some of us go, I don't know why we worship. Why do we do this? Why do we do physical acts of, you know, like we do these hand movements and stuff? I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, is there something really spiritual about this whole thing? You know, Doris kept telling me to do it during worship right now. I'm like, I don't feel any more spiritual. It's just like a workout. But what is it? It's an act of obedience. And when you do an act of obedience, there's a release in the spirit that happens. 
And when you read in Exodus chapter 17, for example, there's this story that you probably read or heard before. It's about Moses, this guy who was just trying to get it right all the time, lead people into the presence of God, take people out of their bondage and slavery into deliverance. And he's about to face this army called the Amalekites. And every time you see in the Bible that the church, the people of God, were trying to conquer, and we're trying to conquer this year, right? You probably declared it. We're going to conquer. Every time you declare conquest, the enemy comes and opposes you, right? He can use a person, situation, feelings, yourself, the mirror. I don't know what it is for you. But there's this enemy, and they're called the Amalekites. Oftentimes, they just pop up, and it's this kind of discouraging spirit, this spirit or this enemy that tells you you can't do it. I know you want to, but you're not going to be able to. Remember, we're here, right? That old demon that just visits you, especially when you get hungry. And then so the Lord says to Moses, go up the mountain and lift your hands in the air. And as long as you keep your hands in the air, the army of Joshua will overcome and defeat the Amalekites. And I started thinking, is there kind of some like magical thing? I'm like standing in my room, like trying, you know, does it change? No. But it was the act of obedience. God said, go up the mountain, lift your hands. As long as you do, you will overcome. Fasting is an act of obedience that releases a spiritual blessing. So as you do this, it's hard sometimes. But no, wow, I'm releasing something in the spirit. So I want to encourage you today. Don't just fast uh, just to fast because then you just suffer. But I want to make this count. Be specific before the Lord. What do you need? I prayed, and I'll just be honest with you. I was in debt last year. I was in debt. We passed through some years that were quite hard as a family. And uh, we, we, we got in debt, and we prayed. We prayed, Lord, would you get us out of debt? Now, sometimes what he'll do in the same way they did it to Daniel, if you read in chapter 1, he gave him understanding, he gave him wisdom, and he gave him good looks. Yeah, yeah, right? So <laughs> give me some of that. And, uh, and, but so he was able to, it said he was 10 times more and he had such wisdom. Sometimes you pray, Lord, get me out of debt and he'll just give you a strategy or he'll give you a wisdom or an, actually a stewardship to be able to do it. But this last year, God actually deposited in my bank. Somebody called me on the phone and said, how much do you need to pay off that debt? But I was specific. I'm not saying, look, don't, don't like hold me to it. You told me I'll get out of debt, so now I'm hungry. And, you know. No. But I was specific. I'm here in Los Angeles right now joining with you in the conquest to take a city, I believe the greatest city on the planet. That, but it came due to fasting and prayer. And I'm in it now, like we haven't really stopped fasting the whole time because I realize we can do some cool stuff. We can even sound nice. But really, if you want to take a city, you've got to do it in the spirit, right? And so what you guys are doing, what we're doing together, and it's incredible because all across the nation, so many people are fasting and praying. So the church is just like, they they got game right now. Like the devil is losing. So this is a moment to pray. And what happens as well is that it releases angels on your behalf. Angels to fight on your behalf. And when I would encourage you, I know you're reading through the fasting book and you probably have some other things. But Daniel is such an amazing guy. 
that when he begins to fast, angels start working on his behalf. I don't know about you, but I want some spiritual backup because oftentimes I feel alone. And the devil tries to isolate me and make me feel like I'm alone. And so I need some angels to fight. And when you fast, it activates them too. And when you read in Daniel chapter 10, it said, the moment that you started the fast, I heard, but it took me 21 days to get to you. Because there's a war going on in the spirit. How many of you know there is a spiritual world? There's the natural, the supernatural, right? The physical, the spiritual, the third, the fourth, however you want to call it. There's things going on around us. And so we got to overcome and we're going to defeat. I'm not even going to preach about that, but I just got me on a roll because we're in a fast. And so let me, let me just find what I'm going to talk about. And I heard that today is it's called what? Formation Friday, Friday Formation Friday. Yeah. Um, and so I know I could, there's like a little bit more freedom, right? So if I can, I want to kind of just uh, not so much teach or preach. I don't know what that even means, but I, I just want to share from my heart. Because this word or this statement, the banner over the year, volviendo al original, that's what's Spanish for you. Uh, going back to the original or going back to the start is almost kind of like, this paradox phrase, right? Because we always talk about going forward. Like leave behind the old, strain toward what's, you know, ahead. And then we're talking about, let's go back to the star. Like some of you are like, no. <laughs> like if you knew where I came from, like, like you don't want to touch that area in my life. But it's so it's interesting when we say going back to the start, and I'm in this right now because I believe it's a heart, what we're talking about, going back to the start. And, um, you know, going back to why we're here, and that young lady said it. She was like, I want to know why I'm coming to church again. I think that's so important. I want to know why I want to serve Jesus. I want to know why I'm up here in the worship team. I want to know why I'm being told that I should run a life group, cell group. I should disciple people. Is that in the Bible? Is that from Jesus? Is that really in me? Or just Pastor P can preach the fire and I just want to do it. Like, uh, you know, I want to know what this is. It's that going back to the start. And I'm here in L.A. and we're starting a church. And we're doing it from zero. I've started things in other people's church, like my dad's church. I started something. We, were, we had the privilege of being in Pastor Caesar's church for a time in Miami. Then we came after six months of the San Diego MCI starting in Tijuana. And then they couldn't, they, you know, to do with green cards and stuff. They couldn't go to TJ. So I was there for a year hanging out with my Mexican homies. It was awesome and eating loads of tacos. And I love it. And, and so, you know, but there was already like some movement. There was a few people and so we we know you know we got some running and things going and happen, but then coming to LA and it's just like I'm looking across the table at my wife <laughs> my two kids and I'm like okay this is the real deal like this is going back to the start I'm like I call Pastor Caesar and and I'm like so you know how did you do it oh we started in my house and there was just a few of us me, my wife, and the kids. I'm like, yes, I'm doing something right. 
You know, like, this is awesome. And so I better believe you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, I'm a spiritual son of Pastor Caesar. If he started that way, I'm starting that way. That same anointing that he has, I have. Right? Do you ever do that? If he can take a city that was, that was based on narco trafficking and just all the exports that were wrong and changed it around, now it's sending out missionaries and changing the nations. We're hearing about it here in Los Angeles, a city called Bogota that you never even knew about before you came to this church. And so, you know, like, I mean, this is crazy through just somebody's obedience, physical act of obedience, release some spiritual blessing, and they just met with a few people and revival broke out. Now thousands and thousands around the nations are coming to Jesus back to the start though they were just in a little house so if you if you're just in a part of like this cell group and you're you're meeting you're thinking are we doing the right thing yeah you're doing the right thing you know that we have a spiritual inheritance here in Los Angeles in Azusa Street it started in a little house a prayer meeting and it broke out and it affected the entire planet that we're still talking 100 years later about that's our spiritual inheritance. We're a part of that. Um, and so tonight I want to talk a little about going back to the start. And uh, in Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2, so I'm starting in the back of the Bible. See that? In the end, to talk about the start. But I think that this is so, so important and reveals the heart of God because in the end you'd think, okay, this is it's going down. And we know most of the time we skip over Revelation. Let's not talk about that yet. It's a, it uses all these words and things and it throws in the dragon. Like, I don't even know the dragon from Shrek. Like, you know, like starts using some of this. Like, okay, I'm going to stick in like the Gospels. But in Revelation chapter 2, the Lord, through the angel, is addressing the churches. And this includes us, too. He's addressing this church of Ephesus. And you know the book of Ephesians. So he was addressing this church. And he says in verse 2, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. So this is an amazing commendation from this, this angel declaring over the church a few things. And the first thing he says, you've got good works. You're a church known for good works. I don't know about you, but I want to be known for my good works. We know that faith, we're saved by faith, but then also James begins to unravel and show us a little bit later in the Bible that faith is dead without works, right? And so it's kind of this whole thing of like, how do you work that out? I've got to actually demonstrate what I believe. How many people say I believe but really don't live it? And we, you know, we want to be those who actually live it out. And so he's saying, you're a person or a church, disciples known for your good works, and, uh, and, and because so many believers today are, are I think, recognized as idle or mediocre or mundane or melancholy, whatever we want to put on them, without action. And, and you know, but who of you, including me, can, can be sure that Jesus would commend us for our good works? Would say, man, you got some good works, like you're doing good. 
Are we Christians by profession or by practice? Am I doing the good works that he's called me to? Christ's words of encouragement to his church go further. He says what? He continues, he says, your works and your labor. So this church was recognized not only by works, but by labor. I love this, this word labor, and it's become so much more intense and, and un, kind of unpacked for me since I went into a labor room. Any of you had kids? I didn't, fortunately, I didn't have to do the labor. I just got to watch it. It was enough. But that's, there's a difference between work and labor. You know, work you do because you need to. Labor you do because you love. Right. You labor for that which you love. And he says, so so I recognize you for the labor, the things that you've done to to love. But labor includes pain. Labor includes just, you know, a lot of hard moments. And many of us serve, many of us work, but few labor. And God has been, has been challenging me in this time and more than ever before because I'm so exposed. It's easy to serve. Come on. It's easy to work, but to labor. That requires love. That requires so much love. It's easy to babysit the kid. But when you have to labor to have that kid and then form that kid, it's a different deal. <laughs> like, I liked being an uncle. That was cool. <laughs> then you become a dad and you're like, oh. <laughs> it requires labor. It requires a love because it doesn't, ever, it, doesn't, it doesn't end. You know, I mean, Matthew 9, verse 37, 38, what does Jesus say? And I love this because in the New King James Version, it says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I think that's significant. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, those who will push, those who will go through the night, even when it's painful, just to love the one that's unloved. Your work, you work for, for what you need, but, but you labor for what you love. And, and to labor involves this struggle and pain. You know, we work to earn wages, but a labor births a dream. He was talking to this church and saying, not only was your work good, but your labor was there. And that has caught my attention. I want to be a church. I want to be a people. I want to be a disciple that not only does some good works, not only has some things under my belt, but also that I, I'm a laborer. When you fast, you learn to labor. Because it's not comfortable. It's not convenient. Everyone starts bringing pizza to work. Everyone starts having barbecues. What's up with that? Like, couldn't you wait until the fast was over? You know, work is temporary, but the labor, I believe, is permanent because you labor for that which is going to last a lifetime. Jesus labored on the cross, and that's how he got to do it. And, you know, do, do, I don't know, do we have laborers today in church? Maybe that's what we're lacking in the church that, man... God, would you bring us back to the start? You know, I think about my son. He's four. He just turned four years old. And I, I'm reminded every Christmas because he was born on Christmas Day. My Christmas is forever changed. 
when everyone else was gathered around a Christmas tree with some eggnog and some carols, you know, just like all snugly. I was in the labor room. Ah! I hate you! My Christmas is forever changed. Every Christmas now since that has been three since that one. I'm reminded of that moment. I can relate to Joseph and Mary. I don't know where they came up with the Christmas carol, Silent Night. It was no silent night. I mean, I know it wasn't silent back then either. There was cows and horses, donkeys. You know, like it was no silent night. Come on. But, you know, when you go back to the start and you start to think, man, I labored to get you to get here. You there was labor involved. There was labor for you to get here, not only for you to be born into this world. You look at your mom or, you, you know, there's there, even if there is a broken relationship, there's that level of respect that you're like, wow, you carried me, you pushed through. It's like when you begin to think about your relationship with God, that I labored to get here. Somebody else labored for me to be here. They prayed for me to be here. I know so many of you could have a testimony, have testimonies that could say, man, it was hard. I was a hard case to get me here. But people labored. They went and they found me. They showed up at my house. They came after me. They called me. They wouldn't let me say no. They were weird. But, I, you know, but now I'm here. They labored for me. We need more laborers. And then the third thing that this church was recognized by was it says patience. I'm praying. I'm one of the prayers I'm praying for in this my fast is for patience. And I know that sounds maybe trivial, but it's, I mean, I'm honestly crying out to God. Because I look at my father-in-law, and I see he has this just, this calm in the storm. Like, I can get rattled real easy. Like, don't mess with me, you know. It's like you, you, you can push me a little bit, and I'm like, hey. And I'm watching my father-in-law sit there, and my son is climbing all over him and hitting him in the face and, and doing things, and I'm getting mad. <laughs> just so patient. And what it does is it just brings a calm, and my son starts to calm down, and, and there's just so much love. And, and then, you know, my mother-in-law, she's an amazing woman, but, but she'll just make fun of him and say things to him, and he just looks at her. I'm like, God, give me, give me that. That patience, that perseverance. They were known for this patience. You need patience in LA. And I don't mean just in traffic, but you need patience. I know many of you are longing to get married. You better pray for patience. When the honeymoon's over, baby, it's like, dude, I need some patience. Going back to the start. You know, 
Because there are those who work and labor for only a season, but we need to be those who are patient and persevere. They were known as these perseverant people, and the Lord was celebrating their labor that went on continuously, that we wouldn't just have good seasons, that we would live in it. They finished what they started. This church was known that, that for, for actually being finishers. And, uh, you know, you can work and labor, but without patience, you grow weary. So we need to ask for this too, but, you know, beyond the work and the labor and the patience, it says here, as you continue to read on, they hated evil and separated themselves from deceivers and false doctrines. Let me tell you this too, as you enter into this new year, many of you need to make some radical decisions on who you hang out with, who you listen to, what you watch, what you entertain yourself with, because it will determine who you become. And this church was known that they were those who separated themselves. They were those like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even though they were in a culture like Babylon, worshiping idols, immoral, all the types of things that you just think, man, this is crazy. There's nothing new under the sun. Perversity. And they said, we are not going to fit in. We're here to make a change. Test us, it says. In verse 12 of chapter 1 in Daniel, test us in this fast and see not that we would become better. And so patience and perseverance, we need it. But look at this, verse 4. Let's get to verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you. After all these things, good works, you are laborers, you have patience and perseverance. You have not contaminated yourself with those around you in this culture. But nevertheless, I have this one thing. This is the end right here. And he says, you have left your first love. In the Passion Translation, it says, you have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. This is what God has impressed on my heart for me. And for us, as we begin this year, what it means to go back to the start is to go back to our first love. That this fast would mark and these beginning days would mark why we do what we do. Coming back to our first love. I've been married almost eight years. This month will be eight years. And you know what? There's been amazing moments and there's been such challenging moments. And through it all, we've loved each other. But, you know, the other day we were looking at each other and realizing that we have to go back to the start. You know that moment when she walked in the room and, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> the last two days I've been telling her, like, man, you are fine. <laughs> like, you are so, and she's like, what has gotten into you? I'm just going back to the start. <laughs> and she's like, did I do something? Did I, and what, I'm like, I'm just, I've just fallen in love again. And you know what? You've got to do that in your relationship with God, in your relationship, those of you who are married, those of you even in your friendship, in your ministry. Some of you need to fall in love with ministry again, fall in love with your disciples, fall in love with winning souls. Because we can get into the routine, you know, we can just get into the works. We can get into even the labor and the patient. And the we can get good at those things. We can get really good. 
But then we forget and lose sight of our first love. And you can read a crazy book that will make you feel uncomfortable, but it's in the Bible. It's called Song of Solomon. And it begins to talk about wooing and this romance that God wants. For a man, it's a little uncomfortable. Sometimes you're reading that. You're like, okay, God. But, you know, you begin to realize that God wants this relationship with you that's deeper That he wants to take you to places that you never even dreamed or imagined. Coming back to your first love. This was an actual accusation God had. What does this mean to me? What does this show me? This is the most important thing. But how often do we strive for the works, the labor, the patience, the perseverance, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that we would do the vision and all those things are good and that's what we live for. But at the same time, if you lose your first love, You lose everything. In the same way you can have a professional marriage, you both can be prosperous, making money, own the house, get out of debt, all those things, follow the Dave Ramsey deal, the baby steps and everything. But you, if you if you lose sight of each other, the temptress comes in. You you lose the game. And so oftentimes you see people, they're they're passionate for Jesus and then they all of a sudden they're gone or they were serving or they were doing well, but it's because we lose our passion or we lose the first love. And I, I don't really have, like I said, more, more of a message really for you tonight other than how can we, how can we get this back, this first love? I know, I know it may sound just like, okay, this is, this is yeah, we, we know that. We know we need to love God, but, but do we really Love God like we did. Like when you went to your encounter or when you, when you had those moments that God did the miracle and you were just ready to just save the world. You know, th- those moments where you just felt the presence and the power of God all the time. You couldn't help yourself from talking about him because he was your love. In the same way, guys, when you meet that girl and you're like, dang, she has got it going on. You're telling your boys all the time. You don't have to ask him. He's already got the Facebook stock picture right there on the phone. There she is. She will be mine. (laughs) When you're in love, it's crazy. You do stupid things. You become a fool. (laughs) You're a fool for somebody. Are you a fool for Christ? I got to be your fool, Lord, because I know when I'm in love, I will do whatever. And I realize my measure of love has been lacking. And it's been so evident because, man, I'm so passionate for Jesus and I love him with all my heart. And all I want to do is serve him. But when I come back to the star and I'm in a moment right now sitting in my living room and I'm trying to reach people and talk to people. And then there's those moments of going like, am I really meant to do this? Is this real? Is this actually from him? And I'm having like this moment like, do I really love you? And so we got to come back to our first love. And I began to think as I was uh, just preparing for this about this guy in the Bible. We don't talk about him often. I don't know. I I haven't really heard anyone preach about him. I'm sure people do all the time. His name is Hosea. 
He had one of the most extraordinary, unusual tasks given to him by any prophet. He's one of the prophets. He follows the prophet Amos. You've never even heard of him. Amos Skeeto. No, just kidding. (laughs) But he has this task, this kind of thing that he's going to announce what's about to come. And there's all this dread because in the time, Israel was doing well. They were actually prospering. They were living in a time of peace. But God was about to unravel, unshake. He was going to show them that there were some things wrong, that they lost their first love. And so he calls this guy Hosea 750 years before Jesus was going to come. And he says this, you're going to go marry a prostitute. This is a man of God living in a culture that is very rigid, that you can't mess with those types of things. You cannot Kind of like, you know, now there's those like those pastors that are super hip, cool. Like, I don't know that, that you can even have church in bars now. Right. Like, you, you know, this wasn't like that then. Like you didn't even affiliate with such. And so he, he was asked and given this assignment to go marry a prostitute. I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'll be out. Like this is the devil right now. You're going to go marry a prostitute. And, in, and it says it in Hosea 1, verse 2. I'll just read it so you know I'm not making it up. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute. And, and so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel which is a picture of the church, has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. God's solution was to let the prophet not preach a sermon, but be a sermon. He said, I'm not going to ask you really to declare things to the people. I'm going to make you live it out. You're going to marry a prostitute and demonstrate to the people what they're doing and their relationship with me. But there's a, good, there's a good part of the story, but it's so humbling. And, and, and because this guy, throughout the time, it says they had three children. First, he, he had a, a son, and then he had a daughter, and then he had another son. And they had a few years that, that were pretty good. You know, I think he was probably a little bit weary of this woman, like, what's going to happen? But they were okay. But then came a moment where... He woke up in the morning and she wasn't there. She wasn't in the house, couldn't find her. Where is this lady at? Oh my God, it happened what I feared most. And she didn't come back day, two days, three days. She's still not back. And now he's all of a sudden a single dad with three kids. Trying to preach a message, getting the people ready that God is coming and he's going to do something great. He was meant to be this beacon of hope. But now I'm a single dad. My wife, who was a prostitute, that you asked me to marry and redeem, has now left me. How embarrassing. How do you face that? What do you do? And and so, you know, in Hosea chapter 3, verse 1, this is crazy right here. It says, the Lord said, go and love your wife again. Go and marry your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. 
This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to the other gods and love to worship them. Hosea must have lived in that moment, you know, uh, during those times, so many dark nights, loneliness, questioning, doubt, unbelief. And then suddenly God says to him, go marry again, Gomer, your wife. Nah. Are you serious? Like, you know what she's been doing. You know, I know, and I can imagine where she is right now. You're asking me to go and love her again, marry her again. He says, yes, I want you to go and look for her. Now, he's a holy man. Do you know to look for a prostitute where you have to go? What this is going to look like on his resume He was known. He was famous. He was the voice of God. When you were a prophet in those days, you were considered the seer, the voice of God to bring the message forth. They didn't have the Holy Spirit like we had now. And so so he says, okay, and he goes, I imagine the red light district of Jerusalem. And he's walking around and seeing what you can imagine he's seeing. And there's all kinds of people in the industry. And they're hustling and they're doing what they're doing. And they're probably looking at Hosea like, what is he doing here? And he starts asking them, hey, have you seen my wife? Man, Hosea, I don't know. I don't know where she's at. And, you know, he's going around. He's asking more people, hey, have you seen my wife? Have you seen Gomer? Yeah, you know, I saw her the other day, but I don't know. I haven't seen her in a while. And then it gets to a point right here that he, he, and some scholars say that she had been put on auction. And so when you, when you read here in verse, uh, verse 2, I believe it is. Yeah, chapter 3, verse 2. It says, so he went and bought her back. He went and bought her back. He was already married to her. But he went and he remarried. He went and bought what was already his. Does this sound like anything? Jesus came for you and I who were already his, but he paid the price once again, even though we had prostituted ourselves, even though we had rejected him, even though we had found and sought after a love that was all about me, self-gratification, a love that we felt like we could purchase, a love that we'd had in innate objects and idols and other people. But he says, I'm going to come and demonstrate what love really is. Even though you've prostituted yourselves and you think, man, that's a heavy word. This is what the Bible is illustrating for us. And if you think about it, this is what we've done. We live in a generation as such that we've given ourselves to whatever. How many, how many, you know, we've, we've given ourselves in relationships. We've contaminated the temple. We've put things in our own body, in our own minds. We've looked at things and listened to things. We've prostituted ourselves. He says, you've done good works. You even labored for certain things and been patient and persevering, but you've forgotten and abandoned your passionate first love. 
Because when you're passionate and first love, that's why when Jesus came, he said, let me just give you two commands. It will fulfill everything. Love God with everything you are and love your neighbor. Because if you love God and you love your neighbor, you won't steal. You won't cheat. You won't murmur. You won't, you won't blaspheme. You won't dishonor your family. Love. It's what everyone is looking for today. Everybody is after it. They think that if I just get a bit more money, if I just get a little bit of status, if I graduate with a BA, PA, DA, I'll be okay. And yet they're still medicating themselves so they can sleep. They're still lonely after their third marriage. I don't know how this thing works. It's because people are pursuing mankind because it's been etched in the DNA of our lives by Jesus Christ that we can only exist by love. But a love that's perfect, that drives out fear, not a love that comes from you and I, but a love that comes from Him. A love that purchased us once again, even when we didn't deserve it. He went to the selling block and he's looking at his wife. I imagine she can't even look at him. She's looking down like, why is he here? I never thought he would come back for me. And he says, I want her. She's my wife. And the guy says, I don't care who she is. You got to pay. And he says, I'm here. I'll pay whatever it takes. That's what God did on our behalf. He said, I'll pay whatever it takes. That love demands a response. Gomer stepped off the block, walking towards her husband, thinking, I don't know what's going to happen. Are you going to rebuke me? Are you going to shame me? And he takes a hold of her, and he, in the next verses, he begins to speak over her and prophesy what's going to happen. And this is a picture of you and I, what God wants to do, not only in you. I know most of us probably, I think everybody here is a Christian. And if you're not, tonight's your night. But, but you can be a Christian. I've grown up in the church. I've grown up following God. But this message, every time, and every time I read these words, I'm like, I'm Gomer. Every moment I doubt, it's like, God, I forget about my first love. Every time I feel insecure about who I am and I let the devil speak in my ear and shame me and tell me I can't do it and bring me to a place of thinking it's not worth it anymore. So many people contemplate suicide. We were just with a girl today, grew up in the church, pastor's kid. She said, I want to die. I hate my life. So appearance doesn't mean anything. You can be sitting here today with good works. You can have labor and patience. But because that first love has been a little bit distorted, has been a little bit left behind, or maybe you think, man, some things happened in this year. But today, this year, 2019, in the beginning, I'm going to get back my first love. I'm going to go after him. But you know what's so amazing is that Hosea is a picture of Jesus and Gomer is a picture of you and I. And he's shown his own love for Gomer in the same way that God showed his love for us. And, and I even believe that this is a call for us back to love the vision again. The vision of winning souls. And I need to do that. And I want to do that tonight with you, like personally. 
like I shared with you, I'm here with my wife and we're planting a church and it's one of the most exciting times of our lives. But at the same time, it's really showing me I don't love people. And I'm a bit upset because I thought I loved people way more. And I don't mean just saying hi and giving you a hug and loving on you and telling you in the beginning of preaching, I told you lately, I love you. Like I say to my wife every day, I love you, but there can be things and contentions and there can be conflict and there can be a little bit of bitterness or unforgiveness. So my love has been contaminated. And so when she tries to get close or one person tries to get close and I realize, man, you know what, actually, that's because my love has been affected. When our love has been affected with God, we can't serve in the way that we are. And it's, it's not a service out of because I have to. It's this place of like, I get to because I love you. I'm telling you, you know, when you fall in love and many of you know this because you have. But, you know, you fall in love and you, you're ready to do anything. You empty your bank account. It's crazy. Fly across the world. I remember, and you guys know, uh, many of you have met Pastor Bray. I remember uh, when I was courting my wife, well, we were right before. Uh, so this was over eight years ago. And, and uh, my mother-in-law said, you have to come to Columbia for a time. That was not on my prayer list. Like, Columbia was not my destination. You know, it's like, no, it's okay. At least most of you can, like, you can handle. You speak Spanish and you fit in. You got, like, the, the natural tan that I always wanted. <laughs> All right? Like, I just stand out. Like, hey. Like, I'm here. You know, like, I can't blend in. I don't want to be in Columbia. And she says, you have to be here. And I remember thinking, this is crazy. This is not worth it. There is way, there is really cool American girls. <laughs> They're committed. They love Jesus. Why am I looking for a Colombian? This is nuts. And I called Pastor Bray. And he asked me this question, do you love her? I'm like, yes. Sounds like when Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? In John chapter 21, Peter had gone through a really crazy moment because he had denied Jesus after telling him he would do anything for him. And in the moment Jesus needed him the most, he ran. And he's found here in front of Jesus once again after he's been risen from the grave. And Jesus asked him, and in the Greek it's agape. He said, do you agape me, which means love me unconditionally. Love me like a, a, a brother. And Peter responded, I phileo love you, which in the Greek means I love you like a friend. And when Pastor Bray asked me that question, it like was like I was in, I was in front of Jesus. <laughs> it was for, it was for my my marriage, but it was like, wow, this was the decision that was going to change my life. He says, do you love her? And I reluctantly said yes, because I knew what that, that was going to require. And he said, then what are you waiting for? And then I began to come up with some excuses because he was a person of trust. And now I'm just exposing myself before you. But I began to say to him, but I have everything that I need here. 
I have a car. I have a salary. I have a ministry. And I was loving it at the time. I had become a youth pastor in, the, in those days. And it was amazing. It was so fun. I, it was just one of the greatest moments of my life. And he said, but you can always get that. But you can never, you, you can't always get the one. You, can always, you can't always fall in love with the right one. I was like, on the plane the next day. That was from the Lord. Love will make you do things. So really, when we say, I love you, Jesus, can we ask, Lord, is my love genuine today? And maybe it isn't, but we can, we can get to that place. Let's get on our knees tonight. Let's cry out for that first love because I believe if we can mark the beginning of this year saying, I'm coming back to the first love. I know we have goals this year. I know we're running on a track. You guys are about to get crazy this year, CFF. I know you're about to multiply. And I, I'm sure Pastor Pete has many goals. You're going to have three, four, five services. I'm not sure. But I imagine it's something like that. It's going to require leaders, people of influence. It's going to require you to open up cell groups if you haven't and open up more, complete your 12, you're 144. That sounds like work. It sounds like labor. It sounds like patience and perseverance. But if you don't have the first love, you're going to burn out and die and you're going to walk out. So we need the first love. Back to the start means I got to get my first love again. Right now I'm falling in love with the church like I never have before because I'm looking at a few faces and I'm like, thank the Lord they showed up. They still like me. God's like, nope. <laughs> this is full on grace, man. I helped them get here. I'm falling in love again with doing ministry. Some of you need to fall in love with ministry again. Fall in love with souls. Fall in love with doing this labor together. Jesus asked Peter a second time, do you agape love me? Do you, do you have that love? And Peter said, man, I phileo love you, Jesus. And he said, feed my sheep. Tend my flock. And the third time Jesus began, changed it and said, do you phileo me? Do you like me or love me like a friend? And Peter stopped and it said that he was cut to the heart. And he said, Jesus, you know. You know my heart. And he said, okay, feed my sheep. Pastor my people. And then he began to walk with Peter and he says, I'm going to change your life, man. You're no longer going to dress yourself. And I don't know if what he began to think in that moment, but it, it was, you're no longer going to make decisions for your life. I'm going to order the steps of the righteous man. I'm going to take you to places and you're going to change the world, but it's not going to be because of you or your strength, but because you are with me and my love is in you and you never I'm never going to let you go he demonstrated to Peter you can deny me you can prostitute yourself you can walk away some of you denied him this week some of you had doubts coming some of you have had a really hard time in your Christianity you're in and you're out you're hot and you're cold but tonight let's make a decision I am going to be fully in love with you Jesus would you cause your love to burn on the inside not just so that I can work and labor and persevere but Lord 
so that I can have this love affair with you, that I can experience your presence. I don't know about you, but in this fast, I'm asking for more of his presence. I'm asking, Lord, would you just show up in my life? You don't even have to say anything. And I'm telling you, it's the same. Those of you, when you come back to your first love in your marriage, you don't even have to say anything. You just gotta be in each other's presence and it's enough. When my kids are in my presence, that's all I need. They don't need to do anything for me. My children right now, all they need to do is look at me and I'm just like ruined. My little 11 month old baby boy, he looks at me and smiles and I drop everything. I drop everything that I'm doing because he is now my priority. He can't even say a word. Well, he says dada because, you know, that is the word. But he can't even speak, but I'm, I'm ready. You know what? You don't even have to say anything. And God's saying, I'm ready. Just I want your heart. Just I want your love. I want you to come back to that place. And when you can do that, he says like that song, no longer slaves, but now I'm a son, I'm a child. You will sing that song way differently because you will understand, wow, where I came from. When I go back to the start and I remember where I came from. Some of you just need to think about three months ago and think, wow, I've come so far. Can you just celebrate that? Some of you are looking at other people and like, man, but how do I get to where you? Just compare yourself with yourself. Like I am so much, three months ago, I, I mean, I can just tell you, I was, I was struggling in, in, am I gonna come to LA? Are people gonna like me? And here I am in LA, we live, you know, my family moved here. We got a few people that are saying, amen, let's do this, let's go. Three months ago. I was questioning if this is a call of God. So just, this is a time, Lord, I want to come back to my first love. I want to come back. Lord, would you lead me? Like Peter, just, you know what? Just lead me then. Lead me. I don't even know how to do this. And so I want to pray tonight. And like I told you, I didn't give you points to write down, but I hope that you receive the heart and the spirit. What I believe is gonna mark the rest of your year, not only your year, but your whole life. Because oftentimes, if you ever feel low, if you ever feel doubt, if you ever feel struggling in the wind, you just gotta realize it's probably because of this. Just get back in love. You just gotta, you just gotta get back into the presence of God. Say, Lord, I need to fall in love with you again. Some of you used to read the Bible for hours. Some of you used to pray and it was so easy to pray. Man, it was so easy. And now why is it so hard? And you're blaming your situation. Blaming now I got a job and I got responsibilities. You don't know how I got, I got kids now. I was up at 4.30 this morning. It's the only time I can pray. My kids consume. But I'm asking, Lord, would you ignite that first love again? And you know what I'm telling you? If I could just be sincere, at 4.30, I didn't feel like it. I didn't. I wanted to sleep because I went to bed at 1. And my baby woke up at 4. But I knew, I'm saying, Lord, I got to get in this place again. And as I began to pray, it was like, man. This is amazing. I don't want to leave this place. Some of you are going to come back to that place. 
right now, beginning tonight. Some of you used to be able to worship for hours. Some of you used to be at your response and worship was different. You were the person up front, but now you're at the back. You were the person that showed up early and said, what can I do? Just let me do anything. I'll be here. Just, just give me a chair. <laughs> give me a broom. But now you, you kind of show up three songs in. Come back to your first love tonight. Some of you are leaders here and you've been doing your cell group and your ministry and, and you've been faithful. Faithful, faithful, faithful. But you've lost your edge. It's just because the love isn't there. You're looking at your disciples and you're like, man, they're so annoying. Like, do I really have to hang out with you? <laughs> you know right there that, that the love is lacking. God, I got to get back in love with you. Because when you have Jesus and when you have his love, man, you look at the most, the worst people. You look at Gomer. I mean, the name alone. <laughs> and you're like, man, you betrayed me. You went, but I'm going to love you. Hosea, Hosea was, he was just a guy like you and me. And he went and he did it. I believe that's, there's a two, two, there's a two kind of, you know, double call tonight. For some of you just need to fall in love with people again, fall in love with God. And you're going to see just God overwhelm you. Can we stand? Would you just, I want to just give you the invitation right now where you're at. Like, man, I want to fall in love with God. I need to come back to my first love. Would you just, let's just fill this altar where you can be, where if you want to kneel where you are, if you want to lift your hands or you want to come to the front. It's just a symbolic act. Again, remember when we do a physical act of obedience, it brings a spiritual release. And that's, there's nothing special about this front area. But it's just that physical act. Lord, I'm just coming back. I'm coming back to my first love. God, would you just begin to call people right now? As Hosea came and he just... He was looking, man, where is she? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Maybe we've just been away from God. You, you haven't been sinning like crazy, but you've just been busy. He's saying, I want you to come back. I want that intimacy again. I want you to know my love. Would you come back to the start today? Those times that you would do whatever it took, man, you would drive all over the city. You would sacrifice sleep. Because you're like, man, I need, I need to get with God. I need to be with Him. I need to experience His presence. If you need a breakthrough tonight, begin to push in. Lord, I used to be so passionate. 
not just passionate on the outside, but Lord, on the inside, when I would go home from a Friday night, I would stay in your presence and I would continue to worship. Lord, all I wanted to was to be with you. I couldn't wait. Lord, I want that back again. I'm coming back to my first love. I'm coming back to my first love. The Lord is asking some of you, where did you lose your first love? Where did it fall? Maybe something happened to you this year, this last year. Maybe you went through a crisis. Maybe people left you. Maybe if you're a leader, your cell group failed. Maybe you've tried and tried and tried. Today, let the Lord just touch your heart. He's saying, I see your works and your labor, your perseverance, but I want your love. That's the most important thing. I came because I love you. And my love is what transforms. Let my love transform you tonight. Let my love transform you tonight. Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that even the hardest of hearts would be transformed by your love. Lord, thank you that nothing is more powerful than your love. Thank you that there is nothing more powerful. If you need an encounter with Jesus, would you just cry out for him? Just get in with Jesus tonight. Get that. This is the beginning. Let this mark your year. This is the first meeting that we're having a CFF this year. Come on, let it count. Lord, tonight we're pushing in. Thank you that you pursue me. Thank you that you long for me. Thank you that you have come after me. I fall in love with you tonight. Lord, I need your love. I need that love, Jesus. become anything other than you. Lord, the people of Israel, they, they were God-fearing people, but they got distracted and we get distracted so easy. And so tonight we repent. We repent, Lord. We repent, God, for putting others and before you, things before you. Today we seek you first. 
we seek you first over my career, over finding the one, over paying my debts. Lord, there is nothing more that I desire than to be with you. Lord, as David said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper. God, I'd rather open the door in the house than be outside. God, thank you that you called us inside today, that you've accepted us, that some of you have been found like Gomer and you know it's you and you say, Lord, I've been that person that's been out, that I have prostituted my life. And if you're not up the front, come to the front. Come on, get right with Jesus. He's calling you not to shame you, not to expose you, but to redeem you so that you would not be bound by the lies and the deceit of the devil, but that you would be set free and live a year like you've never lived before. 2019 will not be a year where chains are seen, but a place that I come in in joy, in peace, in thanksgiving, in life, in hope, in love, in Jesus' name. Take me back to the start, Lord. Take me back to the start. That passion, the labor, God, the labor. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, and now He will heal us. 
Many of you have been wounded. Many of you felt abandoned. But he said, those who have felt torn to pieces, I'm gonna heal you. He has injured us and now he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of the dawn or the coming of the rains. And he says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. He wants your heart. He wants you over your service, over what you can do. Today, Lord, we give you our hearts again. We consecrate ourselves in the same way, Lord, the armies of Joshua before they went to take the city. You called them to circumcise their hearts, to circumcise their lives, to set themselves apart so that they would be ready. And tonight is a symbolic act of consecration, of coming back to our first love because we know that the conquest is there. But Lord, we don't want it. We don't want the conquest without you. We don't want the, 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 that which we can do without your love, God. We, we need that. We need it today. God, would you reignite our love for souls? Would you begin to cry out again for souls? God, would you reignite in me heart for souls, a love for people, God, that I would give my life for them? I'm going to cry out in the same way someone labored over you. Would you labor tonight? Would you labor for souls that they would be born again, that they would be born into the kingdom? Your prayer could make the difference. We have been given the power and authority, the keys, as the Bible says, to release the captives. Today, your prayers and your your determination is giving life to others. God, let us fall in love with souls again. Let us fall in love with our ministry. That it's not a task, but Lord, it's a lifestyle. It's all that I want. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, tonight for this ministry. Thank you for the vision that you've given us. We ask God. If you, if you know you need to, I just feel to do this, if you, if you need a, um, to come back to the first love in your ministry, would you, would you come to the front and just stand? I need to come back to the first love. Maybe your, your cell group has been the same few for a while or you kind of lost sight of what you're trying to do. And, and man, I need, I need, you know, you can preach super good and you can do all kinds of things really good, but people don't come for that. People don't come for that. You know what people come for is when you look at them and you love them. When you look at somebody and love them, it's, there's nothing greater. That's why I came. God wants to put a love inside of you that burns. And in the same way, those disciples that were walking on the road to Emmaus and they didn't know it was Jesus 
And they walked away and they said, man, did you feel that burning in your heart? Did you feel that burning? Because it was a love. Lord, would you put that in us? Those of us who are standing here up front, God, we're crying out that you would reignite the flame, the heart for ministry, for our disciples, for souls. Thank you that you're not finished. This is just the beginning. God, we ask that you would bring a multiplication, not for our glory, but for your glory. Release, God, a harvest. Release laborers tonight. Send out laborers tonight, Lord. Send out laborers tonight. Lord, we're broken before you. Jesus, would you do it? Jesus, would you do it?
thank you that you're calling us, Lord. not only work and labor and patience and perseverance, but that you would find us daily at your feet, worshiping in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us the privilege to enter in as children, not slaves, not as acquaintances, but Lord, we can come with a confidence. Lord, would you just protect every single person as they leave this place, that every opposition, every storm that comes, Lord, that it would be extinguished not only by the faith that we have, but by your blood, Jesus, that every single attack of the enemy would be diffused. Thank you, Lord, that we have power in the blood. And as we declare your name, Jesus, that we can overcome. This week, give us great victories. Lord, we welcome victories. We welcome victories. Thank you for the conquest. Does anyone here tonight, you need healing today? Do you need healing in your bodies? If you need healing in your bodies, would you raise your hand up in the air? We're gonna pray for you right where you're at. If it's appropriate, put your hand where you need healing. If it's a physical healing, if it's spiritually or emotionally, put your hand on your heart. And we're just gonna declare today, in Jesus' name, I release the anointing of healing, Lord. You said by your wounds, that we have been healed. Thank you that your blood, it brings healing to physical bodies. It brings deliverance to spiritually oppressed. Thank you that it brings healing to emotional wounds right now where you are. Receive healing in Jesus' name. You need to receive it today. I am healed by his wounds. Thank you, Lord, that your blood washes me clean tonight. I'm no longer considered a sinner, but I'm considered righteous by your blood. Today is a new day for me. Thank you for my healing. If you're declaring healing of your body, you need to test it right where you are. If you have a pain and you know it was painful or whatever it might be, test it. It says right now that as you begin to do it and act in faith, that you're gonna receive healing. I believe that there's healing, anointing today for your healing. And if you feel healed, just give God thanks and glory and praise. I challenge you to testify, testify of your healing, testify of your salvation, testify of even the things that you have to overcome in this week as you go to work, as you go to school, as you go back home, whoever you live with. But just be, let's be a testimony. Let's be like Hosea. What a testimony. 
What a testimony. And we're called to do that and be that way by the grace of God. I love you guys. And it's genuine. I do love you. Thank you for having me. I love your pastors too. God bless you guys. We'll see you in Colombia.